I'm Cadence DeBuse. This is Busy Body Podcast. And today I'm joined by my friend, my colleague, the amazing healer, Mariah Simmons. She's an intuitive mentor. And I'm so happy to have her here. This is part one of two because there was just so much to talk about in regards to healing, mental health, and the resources that are out there to deal with a lot of these issues that are pretty chronic for so many of us and often seem really intractable. And Mariah just has so many resources to share with us. So I hope you'll join us for both parts. In part two, we actually do a little guided meditation so you can experience some relief in real time. Thank you so much for being here. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into your practice, basically? Because I will say... Um, I really, and this is a bold statement, but I really credit you with a lot with like my mental health in some ways, (laughs) because I met you at a really crucial moment for myself and I have long, I mean, I've been in talk therapy since I was like five years old, but I also have found it mainly useless (laughs) and for a long time clearly was kind of craving some more embodied practice. Other things that super helped me were nonviolent communication, which just basically gave me tools to deal with difficult people in my life. I think that's a big problem with a lot of talk therapy stuff is uh, the therapist keeps kind of, you're you're only getting the story from the person, you know, the person who's in it. So you're telling the story. So obviously it's incredibly biased. And so you can just end up like telling the story of all the people in your life every week And I found that therapist kept being like, right, I want to talk about you though. And I was like, I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about these difficult people. And like, how do I deal with them so that I can just like live my life? And nonviolent communication really gave me those tools. And that really like made a huge shift in my life. But a lot of the kind of wounding that I feel that I had, like talk therapy really didn't touch that at all. And it was our work together that I feel like really gave me some real deep healing that actually just kind of shifted my brain space and just kind of my ability, my resilience, my kind of ability to just like be more present in my life. And honestly, I feel like really shifted my ability to be more open to that. And I mean, I'm going to go so far as say like meeting my partner, like all those things, like a lot of that happened I think because of our work together and me kind of, I mean, it always sounds really cliche, but like being open to different vibrations, literally, like just kind of, kind of opening your nervous system to another way of experiencing the world. And, um, we did so many different things, but I think, um, something that I want to share with our listeners today, um, which we'll do later is, Um, the copy paste meditation. I was like, I tell people about that all the time. The thing is, of course, (laughs) I do really think you have to be like, you have to be ready to do these things, you know? And it's like, it, it, that's the funny thing about embodied practices. You really can't um, phone them in. Although it, I, I will also say that I think just faking it till you make it. If you're just committed to like, I do want to get something out of this, but right now it feels really stupid you can still do it. You just keep doing the repetition until it, it starts to shift your body. Cause that's just how our nervous systems work. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm using nervous system as kind of like an overarching for like our brain chemistry or, you know, like our hearts, our minds. Um, but I also think that like when you're kind of ready to make a shift and you tap into these places, then, then they can be really, really powerful. Um, so that's a, that's a grand introduction to my friend, Mariah. (laughs) Uh, Cadence, I am, I'm just like, so honored that I get to know you, that I get to work with you. Uh, I'm thrilled that you're able to like receive so much from having been able to work with me. Like just, I'm just like glowing over here being like, Oh my God, so proud. So happy. Love you so much. (laughs) Just like, uh, seeing all the things that you're able to, um, you know, not just like, like obviously all the things you accomplish, all of your amazing work, like so, so smart, so kind, so intuitive, such a like amazing body knowledge and body of knowledge. And just like, I I love you to bits. Really, really <laughs> happy to be here. Uh, and thank you so much for having me. Like so, so nice. Well, I thought this would be a nice opportunity for people to, we've been talking about, I kind of ended up sort of talking about anxiety in a bunch of different ways with different people. Um, and then I realized that was becoming kind of a theme. So I thought we should have someone uh, and I couldn't think of anyone better than you to really uh, give us some actual tools in real time. Um, and this kind of also nicely bookends the very first episode where we also kind of talked about dealing with the anxiety of just the world that we live in and having tools for that. So we're kind of bookending the first, and this is in my mind, kind of the the last episode of this season. And I'm going to take a couple of weeks to build up some episodes and then put them back out. Um, so can you tell us how did you come into this practice? What do you do? How do you describe yourself? Cause that's also always an interesting thing when you're in the healing space, how do you describe yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is Mariah Simmons. Um, I'm an intuitive mentor and guide. Um, and so that encompasses, uh, a few different things. Like I, um, mainly have one-on-one mentorship relationships where I meet with people, um, you know, depending on the need, like once a week or once a month. And we kind of talk through what they need to talk through. And then we work on tools to actually, you know, support your body, getting your consciousness through the world. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think of the mind and the body as like, kind of like two best friends holding hands. Um, And like, when I say mind, I'm mostly, I just mean our conscious mind, the, like the part that's saying, ah, yes, I'm sitting in a chair. I'm looking around the room. The part that's like the, uh, the I, me perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the body is kind of, uh, I'm saying body and I mean like our physical body, but I also mean the like, unconscious mind or the subconscious mind depending you know um so that's all of the things essentially that our conscious mind has chosen to automate you know it's Mm -hmm. like i check that box once and then it just does it every time 
So those are like our habits. Um, and those are even the sort of habits that we don't know are habits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like if you feel anxious every time you go into a meeting space with your boss, that's a habit because you're having the initial stimulus and then you're having the um, the automatic response. Mm-hmm. So um, the way I come at this practice or these sets of practices, I come at it from kind of two different angles. One is that um, like I'm a total nerd. Like I love body science, brain science, um, cognitive, behavioral, um, just like I love knowing how it all works. Mm -hmm. So I'm super into that. And like coming out of that sort of more like lab tested brain scans type of field. Um, the practices I, I'm bringing in from that are some of the more somatic ones. These are things that have like, um, you know, if you're talking to a psychologist, they would have these like f- sort of scientific names, like this one is bilateral stimulation. Mm-hmm. And this one is like memory reconsolidation or whatever. Um, so there's that sort of like, um, you know, psychological therapeutical side. And then there's the spiritual side. Um, so I'm also a meditation teacher and um, that works in with my practice. So a lot of what I offer is um, that intersection of like mindfulness that helps you be in the world and, you know, not have it feel like it's crushing your soul. Um, and then these, um, these other tools that kind of help your nervous system, your body um, be equipped to help you. So coming at it from those two angles is really interesting for me because I get to see where they all intersect. So like there are things that are like, you know, like ancient traditions that then you see a very similar practice coming out in like recent research. Right. Exactly. So it's just really interesting to be like, oh, we're, we're we're picking up a pattern here. Like there's this thing that tends to work for humans. Uh, let's do it. Yeah. We have an essential quality and modern culture has pulled us quite far from it in a lot of ways. And these yeah. practices can bring us back. Absolutely. And also like, I love seeing like the way that, that like um, our modern culture, um, rediscovers or discovers again these types of things because it just kind of tends to add layers to it so the practices feel that much deeper yeah absolutely um can you so first of all i think it's something that i think it's important for people to understand about your practice at least from my perspective is we do a lot of talking and you're Mm -hmm an amazing listener and something that I've enjoyed is that uh, I always feel like I get to a point of actual resolution. Mm. Whereas in regular talk therapy, there's, you know, it's like 50 minutes or whatever. And there's this kind of like um, time's up, sorry, let's talk later or whatever. And depending on what's going on with you, you're in the process of processing verbally 
you know, what's happening and you're, you're kind of discovering this. And I, I feel like it just drags on or whatever your next week happens and you kind of forget that point. And I feel like in our conversations, we would have long conversations, an hour and a half or something where you actually kind of get to the next layer where I've, I've told the story or the experience or the feeling, and then we actually can plumb it and go further. Mm-hmm. And then it actually gets, you know, worked through and it's so much more, um, productive. I mean, it's just, it's so much more effective. Um, and then mixing this kind of, first of all, just being listened to and like validated and, and witnessed, and then putting some kind of embodied practice into that at the end. Um, if anything, I think that I, you know, that's kind of my own intuitive practice with my clients. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm working with their bodies. I always ask people what's going on with them. You cannot separate the two. I can't just like see, have a person walk in, you know, walk in or be on screen and just be like, Oh, so you want, you have some pelvic floor issues. Okay. We're going to do these eight exercises. Like I have to be like, what's happening, blah, blah, blah. Because that story is informing their ability to connect. It's informing their ability to embody it's informing their ability to follow through. Like that's always a huge thing. You know, what's the block there? Why are you reaching out to me? Um, So I think in a lot of ways I've learned from you and at the same time connect to you because we're, we're doing things in in a similar way to a similar means really. Um, Can you talk a little bit about, I guess, how you approach working with people, because I am only talking about my own experience, maybe with somebody else. You only chat for 15 minutes. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, I do have, I do have shorter, shorter sessions with clients, depending on what it might be that I'm very verbal. (laughs) Well, you know what the thing is, and like, this is something that you hit on really, really like succinctly is the story, you know, that's going on inside a person affects everything. Mm -hmm. So Part of like, and so part of why I think it's really important in my practice to allow time for that deep listening is, is just like you said, like people really need to feel heard and listened to, and you cannot fake that and you cannot rush it. Mm -hmm. So like, it's just like a, okay, we're just meeting that need. We're going to, we're going to talk about this thing. Uh, and like, we're going to talk it all out. Cause like, I, I don't, you know, I, I'm not like counting the minutes unless I'm running somewhere else, but it's about that space. Um, and also like the, the tools that we use, like we're using them kind of throughout the whole conversation, like I'll Mm -hmm. just, you know, as a practitioner, like the way you're listening, you're listening with your whole body to their whole body. Um, And I know that's something that you do with your, like with your Zoom clients too. Um, You can have that, that depth, you know, even virtually. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. But also like a lot of the things that like, you know, we'll, we'll go through on this, um, are like very, very simple, basic somatic exercises that actually rewire the brain. Like our behaviors, even our choices, even our thoughts 
all affect the brain. Um, we're just sort of a series of patterns. Mm-hmm. Like we have this kind of coherence within us where we're like, oh yes, um, I think of myself as having these patterns. I get up at this time, I do that. But like the way we respond to uh, stimulus is part of that. Um, our our habits, our anxieties, all of those things that tend to come up are sort of a way of thinking of a pattern. Mm-hmm. So the way that that stuff works is like, if you find a pattern you want to change, you have these somatic tools to basically stop the old pattern. And then we have these um, meditative tools to basically bring in a new pattern. And that's what you were talking about with that kind of copy paste meditation. Um, And also like um, a lot of my training is like coaching and hypnotherapy based. Mm. So that's, that's part of why I tried to move us towards a resolution within a session or, you know, if a person is working on something um, is because I, you know, I've done talk therapy too. And you're right. It does sometimes feel like you just go in circles. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm describing the same argument over and over again, and I don't feel different. Yeah. So that's part of why I wanted to find ways to feel different. I think things I had tried didn't change. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, I think for a lot of people, if they are new to even the idea of therapy or they've only had one therapist in their life, uh, they might not even realize that you can feel different in a session because it might just be vulnerable. They're just like, Oh, therapy is just kind of this awkward, vulnerable experience where I like go into the stranger and tell them my, my deep, dark worries and fears are terrible thing, you know, that, that I feel like happened. Um, and when you're in process with someone who's, you know, more in this, uh, vein of healing, Mm-hmm. it's much less this sensation of the person who's kind of observing you and like taking notes. It mm-hmm. feels much more like a communication, a relationship while still having, you know, a, a, a normal healthy boundary of, of uh, you know, professionalism or whatever. There's more, uh, I just feel like, because I've worked with, you know, throughout my lifetime and even just for my own teaching practice, taking workshops from people um, who are more like in your field, mm-hmm. there, there is just more, I keep coming back to the word communion. It's, it's a two way instead of just less like almost the, the, the kind of talk therapist is like behind the one way mirror or something, wa- kind of watching you be like, and then this happened and then this happened. And when someone is more in your line it's it's like they can they can it just has more flow i'm being inarticulate but it 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 feels like there's more flow and that leads you to that resolution i think um it also holds space for people who are not as verbal and have a harder time to articulate how they're feeling um or people that are really good at obscuring how they're feeling by just talking a lot because that's a 
something I hear from a lot of people when they are in therapy and they don't really feel like it's doing much. I think they can almost like outwit their therapist by just like being entertaining or just being like, well, I know what's going on. Like, I just need to do this. Okay. Bye. See you next week. Like, um, all of that is not really connecting that person down into their senses, down into their, into their story, questioning really like what's happening, these triggers, what happens when you're in this conversation with this person, or what happens when you go to your job and you, you know, feel like you want to hide in the bathroom or something like, can we back that up? Um, I think people might have like a fear of reaching out for something like this because it feels more amorphous if they're kind of Mm. new to a therapeutic world. But I feel like it's not amorphous at all because it's so much more in contact with like your, your essential needs as a human being heard, connecting to your body, actually reaching resolution, like kind of being held in that as opposed to this, what can be very painful, just kind of recounting your stresses and strains and sadnesses and then like getting cut off every week like that, that can be a really not supportive experience over time and very draining and tiring. (laughs) Well, yeah. And like what you're talking about that, that like, you know, if, if it takes you a while to kind of get into a topic and then you get to the end of your 50 minutes, it's like, like watching a movie with a cliffhanger, right? except it's your life. It's your life. And so like that just adds to the anxiety. Exactly. Were we going to, Oh, oops. Okay. Um, Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I will say full disclosure. I have a talk therapist. He's not amazing. I, I use him for very specific reasons. I think it's important to have a person in your life. Who's not close, you know, related to you that I just kind of like, it's, it's like I, he's like my temperature check every week. He, you know, cause he keeps notes on me. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, every week I just tell him how I'm doing, how life is. And I kind of use him because I don't have a lot of older people in my life who I can look to for kind of guidance about like what your adulthood is supposed to be like. He's helpful for me to just litmus test. Like, does this seem normal? (laughs) Is this a good thought? Is this a good plan? Does this seem reasonable? And that's kind of what he reflects back to me. But for my like deeper stuff, for things that I really feel like need to be healed for something, if something comes up where I'm really, you know, looking for like a, a deeper guidance and a, a, a much bigger kind of resolution for that. I'm reading books and I'm looking to people like you and similar, like I, that, <laughs> that is not going to get talked through. And if anytime I do kind of bring that to him, he just gets really cliche and is like, what I'm hearing is like, just really. And I'm just like, dude, I've been doing this since I was five years old, buddy. Like you got nothing new for me. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it is so helpful though, to have that, like, you know, just like temperature check person to be like, listen, I just want me to tell you some stuff. I just need you to tell me if I'm the dick in the situation exactly, or whatever, you know, like you, you just, you need that sometimes. Yeah. Um, also like, Yeah, like this is slightly an amorphous topic because I feel like um, doing this sort of like change work Mm. um, is it has to be flexible for the situation and the person. So like basically my role is to 
show up, listen, offer the tools that I think will help offer the accountability of like, Hey, is that working for you? Mm -hmm. How does it feel today? You know? Um, And it is different because I'm not a therapist. So like I have like, I don't have the same, it's just like a totally different job basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So like I'm, I'm in it with my clients, you know, like I have those, those like clear, healthy boundaries, but I, I can't just look at them as like, here's, here's something that walked into my office. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is a person and I want to get to know them and I'm rooting for them. So like, there's a, there's like a slight shift in the, the, um, the tenor of the type of relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like, I don't want this to sound irresponsible because, like, I take this very, very seriously. But um, you know, being like a like in a relationship with your like like licensed therapist, there are certain things that they're like legally not allowed to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, not like topics exactly, but like, um there's just so much more stricture Mm -hmm. and like that needs to be there. But like, this is, uh, you know, this is more on the spiritual and intuitive side. So it's just totally different thing. Um, and like, I think it's also interesting to have like a different approach. So like a lot of times, um, and I don't want to keep like contrasting what I do with therapy, but yeah, uh, we'll say I started that. that. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Uh, we'll we'll segue out of that. But like um, the way that I think about people, I think is different than the way that like um, our sort of medical culture mm-hmm. thinks about people. So um, we're obviously, to me, obviously, way more than just a body and a brain inside it, mm-hmm. like. we have non-physical senses like there have been so many different studies to like test people's ability to you know without other without like hearing sight sense uh without smell to sense the room around them Mm -hmm. or um looking at people's ability to like sense what's going on in their own body um proprioception So like, these are like, you know, we're starting to put names on our various non-physical or differently physical senses. Mm -hmm. So I, I come at this like, oh, there's just so much more to discover. Like, it's, it's really um, fascinating. Um, So like, we're this physical and non-physical being. And so, like you were saying earlier, they have to be together. Like you can't have a body and no mind or no mind or, you know, vice versa. Mm -hmm. So looking at the ways that they intersect, you can really come through with powerful changes. Like if there's something you can do with your body that changes how your mind operates. Oh my God. Like that's a shortcut. 
Like if you do something with your body that makes you feel mentally better and like, that's something that's within your body's ability. I'm just like, yes, sign me up. I will do it. That is like the flip side of what I'm so often speaking to my clients about, which is doing things with your body that makes your mind feel worse. And people Mm -hmm. often see that as just who they are. Um, Like, like I had a client DM me the other day saying that she just did one of the classes and she's just forever repeatedly blown away at how much better her mental health is when she's active. And she's like, funny how it doesn't help to just lay on the couch all day. (laughs) And I was like, exactly. You keep relearning this. And yet you have this, I mean, you know, I'm not 100% sure, but a lot of my clients will have this perception of themselves that their default is that they like to just lay around all day or that they Mm -hmm. want to, but that's not our default. We were all running around as children. You know, we, this is our, our physical body. We're, we're upright primates. I say this all the time. We're, we're hominids. We are built for activity, um, quite vigorous activity. We, we learn those habits of kind of closing in, shutting off, you know, kind of imploding, um, that's not our natural state. And yet people then kind of assign themselves that as a personality and they decide that that's kind of who they are. And then that's how they see themselves. And then it becomes this whole self-fulfilling thing. And so much of my work and what I find exciting about my work is taking someone who really sees themselves as an inactive person, an incapable of being active kind of person to recognizing they're actually quite athletic, that they like this, that they can engage with this, that their body responds. And then it shifts the mindset. Like suddenly they're feeling good every day because they're like doing these things that actually make them feel good through the body into the mind. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, we are so much more plastic in the original sense of that word than we Mm -hmm. think we are. And I, I, you know, that's, that's the, that's the, like, uh, red pill, blue pill or something is, is recognizing that who you think you are is not so fixed. You know, your interests can change, your abilities can change your, you know, we are really just so much this set of kind of chemicals and, and synapses happening and you have a different stimulus and you, you will do different things. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. Oh my God. Uh, you, you hit on so many points that I'm just like, I'm excited to talk about like your use of the word plastic. Like a lot of what I teach people is self-directed neuroplasticity. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, of course you can change your brain, but like, why not do it right now? Mm -hmm. Like you can do it right now. It is like, that's the cool thing about the brain. It's, yeah, it changes very quickly. If you think about stubbing your toe and how angry and upset you get, like in a second, you're just like, ah, from like, I was calm walking across the room. Now I stub my toe and I'm like flooded with all these feelings. Like that's just an outside stimulus. You know, maybe if you mm-hmm. were like Gandhi, I don't know, maybe when he stubbed his toe, he would be like, oh, the dresser has bonked into my foot and I still feel peace. I mean, but most people get flooded immediately, which also means you can shift yourself into a positive state pretty quickly as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Like exactly like you're saying, if we can 
have that sort of stub your toe. I hate everyone, you know, if this, then that situation. And we know that someone can have stub their toe be, oh yes, I'm still at peace. Yeah. Well, that's a learned response. Exactly. Like you say, we can learn a different response and the way you do it is not like by sort of white knuckling it, forcing yourself, mm-hmm. you know, being the kind of mean teacher and the little kid at the same time, you know, bossing yourself around. Yeah. Yeah. Like the way that, that like doing these like somatic practices helps rewire your brain immediately. So the trigger is different. Um, and the trigger loops you to a different response. And so like what we're talking about with that is like this sort of stimulus response loop. So we can change which response that stimulus picks up. Mm -hmm. And also like there's, so there's that just sort of like, that feels like a very like physical type of circuit. Mm -hmm. Like, and when I say physical here, I mean, of course it's embodied, but it's also like a very, um, you know, Turing machine, if then, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. programming type thing. Then there's also like the deeper story the um, that comes up with all those emotions. Like if you stub your toe and you start feeling like, you know, frustrated. The world is always against me. Like Exactly. It loops you right into the associated stories with that emotion. So suddenly you're remembering the time that like your grandfather was really mean to you when you were a kid. Right. And you're remembering like the time somebody cut you off in traffic. And every time you do that, you're making yourself feel worse and worse and worse. And if you follow that little trail back, it's all from that one little, I stubbed my toe. Yeah. Um, So what we try to do with that is catch the little moment in between stimulus and response. And um, my, my hypno, I'm saying this word wrong, my hypnosis teacher, uh, Melissa Tears, who's incredible. um, She talks about these things as being like a very worn path. Mm -hmm. Like if you're walking the same direction across grass every single day, it's going to get worn down in the same place. Yeah. And so she talks about that that happening like physically in our brain, like the neurons are thicker uh, for behaviors that we repeat. And um, we know that we can kind of make a new path. We just have to put up a little roadblock. Like if you've ever seen, you know, somebody putting the caution tape where they don't want you to walk on the lawn. Right. We're just doing that. We're just saying, oh, no, thanks. Sidewalk. Um, and that like very gentle redirect, those are a lot of these somatic tools. Um, and I think of it as like training a a pet, training Mm -hmm. a dog where like you, you have better results and a better relationship with your, with your animal. If you gently redirect them Mm -hmm. away from what you don't want them to do versus if you run in and yell at them. It's making me think of um, kind of all this like life hack culture Mm. and all these books that have come out about, you know, uh, 
better habit formation and all this stuff or like the latest mm-hmm. New York Times article that's like how to wake up earlier every day or whatever. And I think that, you know, and people will talk to me about that, like that they're trying to do this or that. But I think that the missing piece is that rarely are those, those like books or the podcast or whatever um, that are all these kind of like hack your best life they're not really coming at it from all these angles. Mm. It's that idea of trying to like come off the well-worn track, but Mm. they're not questioning the story. They're not embodying it in the body. It's very kind of top down, you know, like every day, just try and like drink one cup more water or something. And pretty soon you'll have your water drinking habit. Uh, And yeah, maybe your water drinking habit doesn't need to be, from this like deep place of healing, but it certainly needs to be embodied. Like you need to be aware of your thirst. You need to be like more aware of your like attitude towards, uh, you know, supporting your body, supporting yourself, listening to your needs. Like that's, that's a pretty deep place to go. Um, I think we, because we live in this like information inundation culture, we're all getting messages of how we can be better but it's rarely this kind of stop, slow down, listen, deeply process, pull this apart, really look. It's more than you want to wake up earlier. It's more than you wish you would like, quote unquote, exercise every day. It's like, that's why these habits fail because you're just, you're slapping something on top. I wish I did this. Well, great. But like, it's going to be bigger because you are more than that, you know, whatever that little checklist need is that you have, like you are actually more complex and you have more depth. So these practices I think are so profound because you really, you really shift that path. You really, it's not just like a little hope and a wish and, Oh, I could do it for two months or whatever. You neutralize the other path. You don't even think about the other path anymore because you actually like, create this deep shift in yourself, something resolves and you're not even, you're just like, Oh, I can't believe I used to X, Y, Z. It's just like, not even, not even part of my world anymore, which is how our, you know, how we shift our actual personalities in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Yeah. And like the, like all of those things that they're giving you these set of behaviors to do, that's really helpful. If you can feel, um, motivated to do those behaviors Mm -hmm. uh and then like the motivation isn't just hurry up do it isn't it isn't just like hustle culture right motivation has to be like well what do you believe about yourself right like what do you believe about the kind of person who wakes up early right why don't you believe that about yourself and you can change what you believe about yourself And so like, there are ways to, you know, very seamlessly link having that habit you want and that way of seeing yourself, that way of being in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Because like we, like, and this is coming back to that series of like patterns and practices again, like our patterns that have become unconscious we can access and make them conscious temporarily and then put them back in and have Mm -hmm. the new pattern be unconscious. 
Um, but I feel like I'm talking about this all in sort of like, you know, theoretical mm-hmm. type things. Like your your brain actually is physically changing. Like when you do these things, it, you're just making me think. It's again something that I feel like I preach a lot, which is like people, and this is our the the messaging of our culture. It's kind of how our brains are wired, supposedly for our survival to kind of focus on negative. Uh, but we're so quick to be like, our bodies are falling apart, or you like you you know you had the injury or the surgery. And you're everything's terrible or forever different. You'll never be quote unquote where you were before, or you have trauma in your background or some event that happened and you feel, you know, whatever. Now you're having these mental stresses, but I'm always trying to tell people like, if something shifted you, something else can shift you. Like we're not a boulder rolling down a hill. So like, yeah, injury, stress, whatever, all these things shifted you in a negative state, you can shift into a positive state. It's hard because literally now mentally you're in a negative state. So of course you're like closing down. You're, you don't want to believe that you're stressed or overwhelmed, but when you take part in practices that help calm your nervous system, help you have presence, help you kind of literally kind of widen your, your visual field, you Mm -hmm. stop being in that tunnel, suddenly other opportunities seem possible again. Um, and that's literally kind of the definition of, of embodiment or presence. Um, you know, that's, that is kind of the classic monk that can be like meditating in the snow or whatever, and just like be, be available for everything that's actually happening and not just sitting there being like, I'm freezing, you know? Um, I think, And maybe this is, you know, I think we all kind of have our own just kind of whatever we're born with sort of gifts. And for some reason, uh, I think that I see humans out there doing things. And I think a lot of people see someone do something kind of uh, extreme or amazing. And they think that person can do that and I can't. But I always just feel like, oh, well, if, yeah, if there's a monk that can be on a frozen cliff and like, sweating because that's like a real thing these monks that yeah. can control their body temperatures i'm like well surely i can figure out how to be in traffic and not lose my mind <laughs> like, yes, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> like like letting those those like you know and that's like a very uh extreme example of like a very you know um intense practice right but yeah exactly it's like well if they can do that i can get through this traffic jam right exactly yeah like, yeah. Uh, and that is something that you can, like, that's a habit you can change is the habit of saying, oh, I couldn't possibly do that. Mm-hmm. Like, these yeah. are all things that, that are available to change. You don't have to feel bad. I feel like I've been kind of preaching this in the newsletter that I sent out to my members is the trying hard things way of living, which is like, you have to put your toe into stuff that you think you can't do, but that's intriguing you for whatever reason, mm-hmm. because the more you do that, the more that becomes a practice, the more you expand your life and yourself, the more you realize you can do X, Y, Z and your world gets bigger. You're like, I can't go on this 10 mile hike, go on a two mile hike. Like just go out the door, just start. You got to start somewhere and not in this cliche, like it's all about the journey or whatever, but it's like, 
you, you got to push yourself a little bit and see that you made it. And then you'll, you're not sitting inside your house being all sad about things that you wish you could do or feeling like you're, you're constantly in some kind of lack. You just get out there and you start to really experience the resilience that you have. And with practices like these, you also have tools to kind of like pad yourself a little bit um, so that they don't feel so overwhelming so that you're, you can, yeah. So you can continue to go beyond putting a toe in and actually like step into it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, And these are like, and these are the kind of practices that you can do anywhere and anytime. Um, Most of them, most of the things that, um, you know, I'm calling roadblocks are these very like simple somatic practices. And so like, I like to pair doing that with then doing some sort of um, meditation or like trance work mm-hmm. and like trance. When I say that anything that is um, just like a, I'm referring to anything that's like sort of slightly different than our current normal everyday consciousness. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of go into a trance when you're cooking and you're just sort of in Absolutely. the rhythm and you're just, you know, peeling. People the call that flow state. Like there's a bunch exactly. of ways to describe that. Yeah. yeah. And there are very easy ways to, you know, bring yourself into that state. Um, and like, that's where you can really like let yourself experience what it would be like to be somebody who, you know, lives the way you want to live. Mm-hmm. Like if you're thinking of all of these behavior patterns you're like, what would it actually feel like to do that? Yeah. And I think I'm just going to like reiterate this again, because I just feel like people who haven't experienced this or, you know, are really living with a lot of anxiety or something very much living in their head, not connected to their bodies frequently. It might just feel such like a distant land, but the practice is what gets you the ability to kind of, um, connect to these things when you need them, because it's also not that once you're, you know, more embodied and more connected, it's not like you never spiral ever again. But, um, I just wrote about this for my members. Um, I'm training for this race. And so I'm pushing myself, uh, obviously. And I went to this free speed workout that was happening in the park here. Cause I was like, Oh, that'll be literally a good opportunity to just push my stamina because I'm trying Mm. to prepare myself mentally and physically for just pushing myself. And so I go to this workout, feeling good, feeling confident. And the coach, I just was like taken off guard, which is funny because I should have in many ways, just like assumed that the coach was going to be just kind of your usual, like everyone's sixth grade gym teacher and just like kind of be a dick. (laughs) And lo and behold, he kind of was. And he just like loudly proclaims to the whole group that I'm not going to be able to do as many as everyone else because I don't run as much as everyone else. Also, P.S. He had never asked me anything about myself, my background, like all this stuff. And it really, it like threw, it, it took me off my stability, right? I was just surprised. And here I'm like an adult. I also think that's always really funny when as an adult, you kind of get in these circumstances that you really just don't experience anymore as an adult where you're 
Like if you ever get yelled at by another adult and you're like, oh my God, I haven't been yelled at in so long. I like don't know what to do. Right. Or in this circumstance where I suddenly was like in fifth grade being like called out, like, well, Cadence didn't do the homework. So, and I'm just like, oh, what? And so, you know, we start the workout right after this and I just have no confidence anymore. I feel, I feel completely de-confidence assized. <laughs> and I literally, we were running these one kilometer repeats as, as our thing. So it's already quite challenging. And I do the first two, I'm pushing too hard because my ego got all like triggered. I'm trying to go faster than I really can. So I'm just dying. So by the third one, I'm like alone. Now everyone's left me behind. And I, I just spiraled. I just went into a dark place. It wasn't the like positive spiral where I'm like hitting the bottom and I'm like, I can do this. Like, Oh, this is so hard. I'm finding my resilience. I just went to like little, little cadence from a long time ago. I feel shitty about myself. This sucks. Like blah, blah, blah. And really it is like your peripheral vision just closes down. I just like, I'm, I'm gone. I'm just like gone into like a dark place quite literally. And here I have all these skills and great connection to my body and all this stuff. And I want to really make it clear. This was, it's one kilometer. So, uh, it's less than a mile. So maybe seven minutes of part of that, even so less than that, three minutes of that, I'm like in a spiral sliding down this cliff. And then this other guy passed who's very nice. And he gave me a really authentic, good job which didn't just feel like everyone else who passes and they're just like, good job, good job. Like kind of all, he really, I felt his connection basically. And it just lifted my vision for a second. And I realized it just brought me like, like a little snap. I was like, oh, I am doing a good job. I'm here doing it, doing it, I'm doing the work. And from there connected back into, you know, my tools. And I wasn't even conscious of this, right? This is all happening Mm -hmm. in like, Seconds. So it's not like I was like, let me use the tools that Mariah taught me and like all the things I've learned. But I just was like, because I have the pathway of connecting back to my body and that pathway is also well-worn and I hadn't been on the path of little cadence in a long time, I was able to hop back very quickly. My brain was just like, oh, hello, we're back, back onto that other path. And I literally could just feel my body I'm like, oh, I'm I'm in this beautiful woods. It's beautiful here. You know, yes, this is hard. I don't feel terrible. Hello, I'm an adult. I can just slow down. Like, (laughs) I don't need to be killing myself right now. Like, you know, rationality came back. Presence came back. And that I just want to like really impress upon people that, you know, all that happened in a split second. I ended up writing a whole essay about it, but that was through the process of writing that I really like kind of fleshed out exactly what had happened in those short moments. Mm-hmm. When I came home, I just said to my partner, like, Oh, that was really hard. The coach is kind of a dick. I'm glad I went anyway. What's for dinner? Like, it wasn't like I came home and was like, I spiraled into this terrible dark place that all happened in moments. And it's like, that's, that's the fluctuations of our, I feel like, you know, how squid change color apparently when they're like communicating, I feel like yeah. that's kind of how we go about our lives. Like, I had this moment, I just went like dark black and then like right back out, you know, like it wasn't the whole, my whole rest of my evening. And that's this work that it wasn't the whole rest of the evening that I wasn't little cadence who would have the whole rest of the time stayed in that dark place, possibly just even quit. You know, when I was a little kid, Mm -hmm. I just leave things when I felt 
like I couldn't do them or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the growth. That's the evolution. It's not that you're going to be like bulletproof or this kind of life hacky, like nothing's ever going to get you down, but you just can like hop out of it so much faster, even if it takes you 20 minutes, but it's not the rest of your day. It's not your week. It's not the thing you're talking to everybody about. Yes. Oh my God. I'm so happy that that happened for you. Yeah. Uh, Yes. And that's like exactly the, that's exactly why we do this is like to pre-build those pathways of being able to come back to presence so that they just automatically work for you when you're out in the world, coming up against a difficult person that you cannot control because we can't control anybody but ourselves. Exactly. Um, But we can control our response to those other people. And unless you literally are going to be a monk or like, you know, something like that, take a really extreme life course path, you're always going to have triggers. I mean, someone who is literally doing a spiritual practice where they're living at a retreat sentence, center, sentence, (laughs) Um, that person, like their whole life is about living in presence to the point where nothing triggers them, right? They just like, they're, the whole point of their whole existence is that they just are like, I'm embodied and present constantly all the time. Mm-hmm. For everyone else who like wants to do other things with their lives, we're never going to be without trigger. And so it's more about, um, you know, hopefully healing wounds that are from your past. So you don't have these like really kind of major hotspot triggers, but like, yeah, if someone screams at you on the street or you walk into a place where you thought you're going to be welcome and someone's rude to you, like, of course that's going to affect you. So, you know, how, being able to juggle that and, and shift quickly and not just let that carry you for the rest of the day. That's, that's the goal, I think. Yeah. Yeah. To be able to go through the world and still maintain your own color or your mm-hmm. own shape. Um, even though these other inputs are coming up against you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And like, I got to tell you, like, I've read a lot of, I've read a lot of like books about like what it's actually like to be a monk, like these stories of like these monks writing about their lives and they're coming up against the same triggers. Mm, mm. They're like, they're like, I can't believe that my brother monk just pulled this shit on me. I'm so annoyed. (laughs) But then they like, they like work through it. Mm. So like they have the practices, the mindfulness practices, that's the practice part. And then they have the deeper meaning. That's the story part. Yeah. Like I'm going to do these practices because I believe that this person is uh, inextricably linked with me and we're here in this community and we have a bigger purpose together. So they have that sort of purpose part and then they have the like, and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to think about them with compassion. I'm going to wish for them to be safe. I'm going to wish for them to be free from harm. Um, and that really helps. And that, that's kind of just like how you, how you get through life as a human. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as a human who's engaged and happy. 